And welcome to the Deep Dive, guys. Thanks for joining us again for this week. How are you, Mr. Smith? Good, Trent. How are you? Doing Welcome well. to everyone out there in Facebook land. That's it. So thanks so much for listening. This is AFL Deep Dive with Beyond the Game. So this is a live AFL show that we do every week on a Tuesday. So this week we're going to do a few interesting things. So we're going to look a little bit backwards so we can go forwards. Getting very close to the finals now. We're going to look a little bit back at who's on the nose a little bit out of the, yep. the teams that have just missed out on finals. So AFL Deep Dive is a podcast where you chat a lot about the sport. We don't really get too much into the drama. We mainly focus on the games, breakdowns of play-by-play, game-by-game. That's basically what the Deep Dive's about. And Beyond the Game does some really excellent sports video and really interesting content. So together, we've been really enjoying doing the show. Yeah, absolutely. So it gives us an opportunity to delve into some other areas and topics outside of the football uh, world, in particular the games, as Trent just mentioned. We do go fairly deep into the game analysis uh, post-round and um, in the lead-up to the following round. So this is an opportunity for us to um, broaden the uh, scope of what we talk about and also have that interaction with you, the fans. That's it. So let's let's start at the top. So a pretty interesting round, a lot of consequence, obviously. So only one more round of home and away to go. So we saw North exit their very slim chances. We saw yep. Essendon also exit their very slim chances. We saw a few teams obviously fall by the wayside. We want to have a bit of a discussion. So at the moment, we are going to do full season reviews within AFL Deep Dive, and we will do some do some reviews definitely on this show as well. But I think let's let's look. At, all the focus now is. Who's made finals? Who's you know who's going to make top four? Who can beat Richmond? All the questions that are going. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about who do we think is is the most disappointing out of the teams that haven't made finals. So we've we're really looking at Port, Adelaide, Essendon. You can even maybe mount an argument of Dogs as well. There's there's a few different teams to definitely look at. Where do you sit on that? Where who do you think is the most disappointing? Factoring everything in. Factoring everything in, and that takes Adelaide out of the equation because of their horrendous uh, injury list. Yeah. So, and while no team wants to use that as an excuse, especially a team that played in a grand final last year and then to not back it up and play finals the following year is disappointing in itself. But when you take in consideration that injury list that they had, that, that, that sort of balances that out. For me, it has to be Port Adelaide. They had a, a pretty good list uh, going into this year, and then they obviously recruited to top that up with some very experienced players. And they finished fifth last year. Obviously, they've had a few injury concerns, but that's not to the same extent as Adelaide. So for me, it's yeah. Port. Yeah, it's an, it's, a, it's a fascinating discussion because you're looking at. I mean, Essendon, you know, were they just made into finals last year? They lost to S, uh, to S, uh, Sydney. Sorry, the right at the start of the final. So mm. they, they made it, but you know they, they really almost in a way didn't make it because they got there and sort of got belted, belted quite quickly. Yeah. So you look at a few other teams. I mean, Essendon and Port specifically recruited for the now. Mm. So you can mount an argument, those two fairly disappointing because they did you know really lead in. But then also Crows brought Gibbs in as well. Yeah. So it's funny. I mean, looking at the whole thing, my first inkling is to say Crows because they... They were so high last year. They did really, really well. I mean, clearly through basically the whole season up until grand final day. I mean, that, that's just the ultimate reality. So they went so far to then fall away. That's my first inkling. But you're right. I think that, yes, that I think some of their training and some of the things they did off season 
were not ideal, clearly, and whether that's the mental side of it in the camp, mm. but then also the, the overtraining. They've, they've pretty much admitted to that. And there's been a significant amount of hamstrings and a whole range of things that have come from overworking. Sort of like, you know, yeah. you know they clearly overworked them, right? Yeah. But when you do look at it, there have been so many to the point that how many do you account for that? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think they almost come under a different category. But you're right. I think Essen and, and Port yeah. are definitely the two for me. North really overachieved and massive credit to them. I think they did very, very well. I agree. You um, and I have spoken all year about North and how well they've done. Yeah, definitely. I would say that uh, St Kilda and Brisbane, uh, yeah, St Kilda and Brisbane, St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs yeah. are, are more disappointing for missing, even getting close to the finals than the Roos are. The Roos obviously have gone through a lot of transition over the last two yeah. years and their ability to get within uh, a couple of games of playing finals this year is testament to... Uh, the team there yeah. and their ability just to find the best out of what players they've got and they'll go into next year really, really strong. So as a Roos supporter, you'd be disappointed because you're in the eight for such a long period of time. And as we probably discussed a, a few months ago before we started doing this show, we were concerned that the young part of the Roos side would start to just wilter a little Taper bit. In, yeah, yeah, because it's such a long, arduous season, so it's only natural for the younger players and to start taper off a little bit. And they're just figuring out the structure of where, where this young side fits, and they're just figuring out, I think, where all the cogs go, and you know, I think their forward lines had a few variances throughout the year. But North, I, I don't think you can put in that for me, personally. No. But if you look, if, if a lot of the injuries from Adelaide have come as a result of overtraining, and a lot of them, a few of them are hard to tell, mm. if that is down to the pre-season planning gone wrong, then you have to say the Crows. Yeah. They, they were top of the ladder, they made the grand final, and they, and they just didn't turn up on the day. That's just the reality. So that, that's, that's it for me. But Port, I think given... It's funny, you know, when you compare Essen and Deport, Essen, I think, have gotten a lot of their game plan a lot better, and they've gotten it right. But clearly, you know, falling away in that, you know, that section of the year really, really hurts them. So it's one of those two for me. I think Port's clearly a, a big part of it because they've won some really great games this year, but then they've been really poor in a number of and just, and, well. and just switching off during games in positions where they could ultimately go on to win the game. That, yeah. That's been the disappointing thing for me. And I guess for uh, overriding perspective, no South Australian team playing finals this year. It's got to be a while since that's happened. So such a proud football state and to have neither team playing footy uh, come September is disappointing in, in, a, in a bigger picture perspective. Perspective, yeah. So you'd have to go back to probably when Port were really poor for a while there. But now really in that transition just before Adelaide started to, to take off. Yep. So yeah, it's an interesting discussion because I think you can mount an argument from a range of different ways. So it, it does become almost down to opinion. But I think Adelaide almost overall, if that's if so many of these injuries are as a result of, of the planning, then they've got to be a massive part of that. Yeah, but, I mean, ultimately those three teams are disappointing. Yeah. It's been a disappointing year and any supporter and anyone who's been part of those clubs will agree that it's been a disappointing year. They would have all expected or at least had their eyes set on uh, September and yeah. finals footy and not one of them are there this year and I think yeah and, and that's the thing I mean it, even though the dogs obviously had a range of injuries as well that 
that said, I mean, I'd, even if they'd had all these guys in, I don't know whether they would have made a massive amount of damage into the finals. No, race. I don't either. I think they might have come in and maybe won one, but I, I just don't see them figuring that out just yet. So yeah. let's transition a little bit from that. We like to focus a bit more on the positivity anyway. Yeah. But we thought it's an interesting discussion and something that we'd love you guys to, to contribute to in the questions on, on the Facebook show and to our social media because we, we are going to have some question time at the end. Once we hit around 8 o'clock, we'll, we'll go through them because I think ultimately there is you know a lot to chat about around that so we might do a couple with the there's a few here that are relating to it so ben said from yeah. from predictions pre-season adelaide are most disappointing from early yeah, season totally agree. form exceeding expectations maybe north yeah i think that's ultimately i think you, you've summarized it well ultimately that's that's where it does lie because i mean from first to, to not making finals is, is obviously a fair, fair drop. But I see what you're saying about, about Port. I think Essendon are going to be very damaging next year now that they've figured out where a lot of these cogs go. They're going to have slightly, even maybe a little bit more speed, but they've got obviously some significant speed. But if they lose McKenna and Sada, it does sort of create some issues. But ultimately, if they get Danaher back and him up and running, I mean, they're, yeah, they're going to be great. Is. So we'll, keep, we'll move into the, the, to the, to the positive side of it. I mean, we saw also in this round just gone... A lot of contrast. So we saw Fremantle get completely belted, which, I mean, given how much has happened in the last 48 hours, we probably would have talked about that a bit more. We will when we get to the questions because we've had a few of our listeners send through some questions around yeah. Fremantle. So we will get to that because that, that was unbelievable. But in, in terms of, you know, the other sort of, you know, key moments in the round just gone, I think we have to talk about Melbourne, especially when we talked about the Ds last week. We, we analysed what, you know, around why this keeps happening. We spoke a bit about their mental state. What's going on? Why does this keep happening? We talked about their decision-making, and you and I went pretty heavily into the, their structures, where they're wrong, the decision-making, a whole range of different things. That was, that was a big moment. To get, to, to get it done, I, I get it was an undermanned West Coast side, but we both felt in the, in the review that we just recorded yesterday, that was huge. Yeah, absolutely it was. I mean, not only did they have this ongoing uh, pressure from the outside world yeah. that they can't beat quality teams they struggle away from home often as well and they're coming up against arguably the best or second best team in the competition and even though there were some injuries to west coast not, melbourne had their injuries as well they still haven't got their captain in viney playing um lever doesn't uh, get on the ground at the moment we all know about that injury yeah. so there's two massive players for melbourne so we can't underestimate what they had to deal with travel over to perth get the job done and they did it pretty comfortably um, mm. in the end. I mean, obviously West Coast had an opportunity quite, uh, late in the game to take it on and that really showed uh, to Melbourne supporters and the Melbourne um, core that they actually can get away and, and deal with those high pressure situations late in the game. So yeah, yeah big, big uh, hats off to the, the Ds for doing that and especially on the uh, eve of, of finals footy and now they're there for the first time in 12 years. So. Yeah. Huge, huge wraps for them with Finally, that turnaround. Yeah, the, the snow is going to be the mounds will be bare this year with uh, Melbourne making finals. Well, that's the other funny thing. It was actually the most wintry weekend in Melbourne, so they did it on top of probably all the supporters being up in the snow. <laughs> yeah, that's it. A few members might not have seen it, but massive effort from the Jays. And I, I guess the next question is: now that they are going to be playing finals, how how much damage do you think this side? Can inflict on the finals teams remaining. It's, it's always interesting, and I guess the, the only objective way to look at finals football is to base each team on their best performance uh, yeah. or, or their worst, and you've got to look at it all those ways. So, at their best, Melbourne are probably the second best team behind Richmond. 
in their ability yeah. to counter counter attack and score heavily at will. They're so, in, they but are. their worst yeah. is also probably the worst in the top eight. It's funny, like, and that's the problem. It's very, very hard to get a read on, isn't yep. it? Because at their best, you're right. They do sit with your Collingwoods and, and your Richmonds. I think they are able to, they are able to inflict serious damage on sides. It's, it's just the consistency. Yeah. Whereas Richmond's uh, gap between their worst and their best is minim- minimal. Yeah. I think from their Collingwoods is probably the next uh, closest gap, and then after that, you could almost throw a blanket. I think West Coast's worst football is really bad. Mm. I think Hawthorne's is very bad. With Geelong, I think every other team in there, the, the gap between their best and their worst is, is pretty wide. Yeah. Whereas uh, Richmond's and, and Collingwood's at the moment, and to a lesser degree, I guess, GWS, uh, I guess if they get Cali and uh, some other players back, that, that gap between their worst and best is pretty small as well. I think West Coast are going to face the challenge deep into the season with the fact that their offence is still thrown around. So Kennedy's still not playing this week. Darling, it sounds like he is going to play, but where is he at? That's It's still a question. Yeah. And that continuity so, in a side, and you hear lots of coaches and past players talk about having continuity in your playing side leading to finals is so important that if it's not there and there's lots of changes between teams, uh, one or two uh, player uh, changes between weeks is fine, but when you're taking making wholesale changes, especially to key personnel, that's when it be, can become unsettling for them. And in the game just gone, they used Shepard, they used a range of options to be that gaff wing link-up player through sections of that game, but I don't think there was... They don't have a... It's not like... I mean, not very few teams have a ready-made replacement for a key cog. That's why they're a key cog. Yeah, exactly right. So it's a fascinating scenario with them. But yeah, look, big credit to Melbourne and it's going to be an amazing final series to see how far they can get. Are we seeing another, you know, fairy tale type scenario that we saw over the last couple of years? Who knows? But I, st- I think they're going to win at least one final. Like, it just feels like they're going to inflict some damage into this. Yeah, you would think so, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this round, the final round of uh, home and away football, where it all lies. I mean, all the finals could be in Melbourne, yeah, uh, which will be interesting, and uh, Victorians will love that, regardless of whether it's uh, the gym might get a workout. Like yeah. yeah, so <laughs> a lot, obviously, a lot to, to happen, and we still don't really know, except the fact that Richmond are going to host a final at the MCG. We know yeah. that definitely, and Geelong will definitely have to travel away from. Uh, the Cattery to play their first final as well. That, that's basically yeah. the only locks at the moment. Yeah, it's a fascinating finish, isn't it? Yeah. So we're really looking forward to previewing all of that. So we just wanted to touch a little bit onto the Ds because it was such a uh, momentous thing. They were finally able to get at least one and seven against the, yeah, exactly. sort of top, yeah. top sides for a while there. They finally were able to beat one. We, we've been saying for a while that this is, as much as we joked a little bit and said, oh, it's a bit Richmond's style from a few years ago, but... It, it, we did feel that they were very capable of doing it. They just had to get this last little bit right. And yeah. winning over in the West can... I mean, you saw the Dogs win over in the West, you know, that first final in 2016. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to roll on and be that good, but that did really bring that group together. It, it's tough to win over there in yeah. the heat too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's lots of... Uh 
examples of over the years where people have had to travel to Western Australia in particular and win a final or a game to, towards the end of the year. Yeah. It's really helped build confidence and momentum in that side to go off and, and, and do some pretty good things in September. So I'm definitely not going to be surprised if Melbourne go very deep. That's it, yeah. So on, on our preview episode that we're going to record tonight and it'll be out tomorrow, we're going to do a pretty deep dive as we always do into the round to come. One of the things that we probably won't get time to do in that episode, but it'll be good to do on this show, is the Coleman discussion. Yep. So obviously the Coleman's, um, it's very much heating up the, the race now at the back end of the year. We saw Ben Brown you know, being held goalless, which was, was fascinating. I think had he kicked three or four, it probably yes. would have made it pretty difficult. Very difficult, Dan, but yeah, yeah. he's... Uh, He's only kicked six goals in the last four rounds, so that it's really brought him back. I mean, obviously you don't go into footy for the individual accolades, but if he was to win a Brownlow with North Melbourne not playing finals now, that would just put a little the bit Coleman of a stop. Win. Sorry, the Coleman, yeah. That it would, would be just a big effort to win the Brownlow. Brownlow yeah, another Brownlow, <laughs> sorry. Um, that would just that would soften out the, the disappointment of playing uh, not playing finals this year a little bit and give something them uh, to cheer about. But I just I don't think he he will get up and get the common. I think it's uh, either Tom Hawkins or Jack Rewalt to win it. It's a fascinating scenario. So before we do go through the numbers, shoot through any of your questions and definitely shoot through any opinions you've got yeah, on absolutely. Coleman, whether you think someone is going to come out of the blue. But it's looking. Probably like this. So Rewalt sitting at 60 at the moment, which is obviously pretty advantageous. Ben Brown sitting at 58, obviously, as we just spoke about, a bit bit lean at the moment. But, you know, he's a chance to... Yeah, coming up against the St Kilda side, the, yeah. if Carlisle's not playing again, uh, definitely will give him an opportunity to kick a bag. Yeah. And then Franklin on 57. So the only thing with him is it sounds about 90% that he's not playing. Yeah, you would think if he's got a little niggle there, regardless of how much is uh, in play here for top four position, when you look at Sydney's record this year at the SCG, it's not that good. So I think they'll probably prefer to play it on a away final, to be quite honest. But knowing Franklin has an extra week to recover from it, much bigger uh, thing to happen for Sydney is for him to be right come finals because they are going to be playing rather than get winning and finishing fourth. And he's the sort of player I think that could play with it, not play for three weeks and still be able to come in and play with that synergy and just figure it out. Yeah, I mean, they've been really open and transparent, Sydney, about yeah. why Franklin doesn't train that often. It's to actually manage the little niggles in his feet and ankles and stuff like that. So I'm assuming they'll probably play the same type of card here with his groin, just chuck some ice on there and... Given, yeah, I mean, they would. I mean, he'd be pretty disappointed to not be playing his old side. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, Chase another Coleman. We know what he did last year: kick ten in the last round to sneak it from nowhere, and also go for five Coleman's. So he's which, currently sitting on four, which is pretty elite. Five would be pretty outrageous. Yeah, that would over takes he, him he, above. Um, he'd, sit, he'd be sitting by himself with five Coleman's. I don't think there's any other player that's got five. No, there's a couple with six, and then and just oh, above, from yeah. years and years ago. But no, no, yeah. So yeah. he's he basically in terms of any Modern. level of yeah. Even 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 you know eighties, he's still right. Yeah, it's more time. than Lockett and it's more than Dunstall. Yeah, but I mean they played at the same time though, so they yeah. stole off each other. They, they did indeed, and Ablett. There was a lot of very good <laughs> players back in that that era that kicked yeah. a hell of a lot of goals and didn't win any any awards. So yeah. and then also obviously Franklin, as we said, fifty seven, and then Tom Hawkins sitting on fifty six, 
Now he's he's a big chance because they play in the Gold Coast, which are you know yeah, on one Jay. wheel now down in Geelong. Geelong, yeah. So he's uh, all set and looks like it's going to be a little bit nicer weather down in Melbourne this weekend compared to last. And he kicked six goals last weekend, so and they dominate. <laughs> so you can expect uh, Big Tomahawk to be right thereabouts, kicking eight or ten. And if he does kick eight or ten. Yeah, he, he takes home the, the Coleman for and me. Unless there's some incredible upsets. Luke Bruce is sitting on 52, which is a massive effort. But I, He's I think not going to kick 10 against Sydney. No, let, he needs to kick really sort of 9, 10 plus And he might not play re- anyway because he was sitting on the bench for the last sort of 5 or 10 minutes on the weekend. Okay. So he, he he's, under a, he's under a cloud to play this weekend. So so that's the Coleman discussion. Shoot through if you reckon someone's going to kick 50 and uh, really turn it around. But that's... That looks like they're the candidates. Yeah. It is interesting, I think, with Hawkins and Rewalt both playing in games where they could get massive hauls. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what makes it interesting is that it's very live right up until the last minute, which the AFL would be excited about. Absolutely so. excited about, yeah. Last discussion before we get into questions. So if you've got any questions, definitely send them through. We've been sent a bunch, which is really good. So we really thank you for sending those through. The last thing we want to touch on, and I, I know we will get to Goddard, we will get to uh, Wait and a whole range of the, the news that's come through today. There's a few questions that directly relate to that, so that's why we're sort of skipping over those. Yes. We will get to them, otherwise we're, we're sort of touching on it twice. The other thing that, that we haven't really had so many questions around that we wanted to talk about, and again, doesn't really fit into our game-by-game type discussion that we do do, so priority picks. So there's a lot floating around at the moment around some of the bottom teams uh, receiving priority picks and specifically in Gold Coast and Carlton receiving some priority picks. So Carlton just secured their fifth spoon uh, since 2002. So they've got a really nice little uh, selection in the cutlery drawer of spoons now. So really just need to get some forks and knives and then they're there. And they can have a picnic somewhere. Beautiful, beautiful picnic in the Carlton Gardens. But they've got a couple of spoons going. So I think the, the discussion is should teams, I mean, ultimately, let's get to the, the meat of it. Should teams receive first round picks? So the discussion is that if, if you, what's being proposed is if a team is to miss finals for three years, they would receive a first round pick automatically. Now, I, I, for me, I think that's, that's rewarding mediocrity. Yep. And I wonder whether that would actually encourage tanking rather than stop it. What do you think about this? Yeah, I, I generally uh, tend to agree with that. And I come from sort of a, a background that's like, all right, if you're going to be a successful club, look at other successful clubs and what they have done over a long period of time to A, get the success and then maintain it over a long period of time. And if anyone out there can tell me a team or a club, I should say, that has gone on year after year over a long period of time like Carlton have recently and finished bottom and got priority picks and got all these high draft picks and then have then over say a decade or so turned that around and become a very successful club, please let me know because I can't think of one. No. But I can think of a number of clubs that have struggled and finished close to the bottom but have finished off seasons by winning three, four, five games in a row for two or three or four years and then got some early draft picks, got their back a house right. Yeah. So get the admin, get this the where, uh, yeah. get the sponsors, get the memberships up, all that type of stuff. Because at the end of the day, it, football is a business and you must have that strength back a house right because then that will flow down into the football department. 
So I yeah. get rid of it, don't even consider it. Make them do the hard yards. Carlton are in a great place. I mean, they've got over 50,000 members and they've been struggling. So their membership's there. There's yeah, their membership numbers are actually amazing. Like for how bad they've been, yeah. how they've managed to sign that many members. You and I looked at this on the podcast the other week. That was unbelievable. It's great. I yeah. reckon it's fantastic. Oh, no, Engage, no. Yeah, engage with your members. Find out what they want. I'm, I'm sure. Feel the due to show. Don't talk to anyone. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that's the that's the shocking thing is that they've made so many key errors this year. Yeah. And then yet they've still been able to get a lot of members. Like it's, the the, the it's there. Clearly the base is there. Yeah. They've got a beautiful ground uh, in the top part of Melbourne CBD and Carlton, which I'm sure they fully own and they can do whatever they want to it. And obviously, we'll lease it out to the AFLW for games. So they make so they've got some smart uh, business smarts about them. And I just don't think having a priority pick resolves anything for them. The Suns are a whole other kettle of fish. They still, I believe, they need to follow that same path and, and get the right people in that club and build it from the outside, uh, from the inside out, yeah. rather than trying to bring young, more young kids into help. They do yeah. need to continue having youth there, but a priority pick doesn't solve it that's a band-aid on a broken leg yeah and i think i think the big thing is i think a second round is probably about as far as you can go i think a first round is way too much it's yeah. way too much reward for being garbage yeah if they're gonna I do it yeah it's gonna be in the, at the end of the second yeah. round that's still one of the best 30 players 40 yeah. players coming out of the under 18 competitions or picking a, a senior uh, or uh older player from mature the player, yeah mature yeah. that's a word I'm looking for from the the needle or the waffle or wherever it may be so yeah not not first round it, it's it's yeah I think rewarding it, mediocrity and and it's making a mockery of the system yeah and I think if you can get quality recruiters like your Stephen Wells that can go you know go and pick up Kelly or you know you get a lot, yeah. a lot of the Hawthorne guys that pick, picking up Warple and a lot of these guys that are you know far lower and and, and overlooked you know, North went and got Ben Brown. Like, you know, he, he was overlooked as well. There's a heap of very good players that, that just don't get looked at. So, well, let's see. I don't know. It, I it's mean, too much for me. I think it's too much to just hand out, given that, you know, they're, they're already handing out so much money to the clubs. Do they have to give them another free kick on Exactly top of right. And the funny thing with the two clubs in question, Carlton and the Gold Coast, both Stuart Jew and Brendan Bolton had time at Hawthorne. Yeah. A pretty successful club, mate. Just get on the phone to Clarko, to to Jeff Kennett, to anyone you know. That they'll they'll help each other because ultimately all AFL uh, clubs want other AFL clubs to be successful, to continue to grow and expand and all that type of stuff. So ask the question, give them a, and ask for their assistance. I mean, Dyson Heppel did it um, while the the Bombers were down and out during the year. Got in contact with uh, Ruffy and a couple of other yeah. captains that he's really close mates with to go, mate, what can I do? And had that open conversation with them and all of a sudden the, the team turned it around. So I reckon it's a great yeah. concept to do and rather, I, rather yeah. than have half that they've been going down. Yeah, and I think, I don't always agree with Steve Hocking, but I, I, for, on this I actually do think he's generally going down a path that makes sense. And I think ultimately if they can help lower clubs pull like a Tui to Geelong type of move, like a you know a, th a twenty four to twenty six ish type player because the the big problem as well is by giving these handing out a lot of these picks handing out these picks I know they can on trade them but still I mean the heart of you can geez, if you can go and get a you know a bond or a, a really quality young player you're going to do it but the big thing for me is if you keep topping up topping up kids topping up kids 
they're not going to develop. They're not going to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's just a whole pack of kids. kids. We, we, we've seen this already with on with multiple sides in the last few years. So that doesn't help either. No. I mean, you, you've got to have a balanced list. Yeah. So exactly yeah. Right. I, so Matt raises a really good question. So could there be a lottery like the NBA? So there's a really good point. And it's something that you and I've spoken a fair bit about uh, off the podcast, so it's, it's good to bring it up now in context. I think, yeah, I, I think there definitely could be. The ultimately, Matt, in the Adrian Anderson days, there was a lot of talk about this. So you and I spoke a lot about this a while ago. So you and I followed yeah. the NBA quite heavily, and we we thought we spoke a few years back, and we thought, oh, okay, that's kind of it. Sounded like it was coming in. So I don't know what's happened with that. I don't know where Hawking stands on that. I, I'm not sure, but I like it. I, I think it's a better idea. It leaves it a lot more up to chance. And then if you, if it doesn't matter necessarily how well or how poor you've done in your specific section, it's a, it's a completely random set of picks. I don't actually mind it, leaving some level of it to, to random rather than being like, you're the worst side, Here's, here's your top up. Yeah. Here's, here's your free kick. I don't know. What do you think about it? Yeah. Do you think that makes sense? I do. I, I think, though, when you look at the complexities of how the NBA yeah. free agency trade uh, lottery picks works, we'll need to integrate that slowly. And you can see that's where the AFL are kind of hinting at going. I guess with that, though, the lottery picks, I mean, it still can tell teams, like right now, Port Adelaide, I mean, they can make finals, but then do they just not play to their full strength, knowing that they could have a chance, and we'll take this year into consideration, that if it was the lottery and you've got Jack Lacocious as an SA, um, born and bred uh, under 18 player, wants to stay in SA, would Port then just risk it and go, you know what, we're almost playing finals, we know we're good enough, but stuff it, let's not try and win this last game. So they were out of contention, but we go into the lottery and maybe get pick one or two and have a chance to roll the dice and get in one of the best young players. So there's a lot more in it. I do like the idea of a lottery um, because it, it takes out that idea. Of it takes out the tanking specific. specific if, yeah. I, if I lose this game, I get I will get to 18th on the ladder and therefore I will get this pick. Yeah, absolutely. Like it does take out a percentage of it. And that. it opens it up for then those bottom teams to swap those picks. Yeah. And that has to all be in writing. That needs to be... Um, drill down by the AFL. So there's a lot to unfold if they go down that path. But I do like it. I think it becomes a much more fairer competition. But if you look at the NBA, I mean, the free agency, then the the, the top teams will still continue. The idea is to get your team very, very strong from a supporter and membership base and sponsorships because then you're a destination club. And if we want an even club competition, this is just my opinion, I think that's what most teams no, need to, to deal with first before worrying about priority picks and all that stuff. Win games of footy, that's what you have to do. The hard part is, and you always hear this argument, the hard part you hear is that people say, oh, well, I'm a low side, I can't get top sponsors. I, I, I get that argument, like if you look at St Kilda's sponsors versus, say, Richmond sponsors, as an example, or even the dog sponsors, you know, obviously they're having won a flag in the last few years. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, though, I think there are other things that you can get right. And if you do get those right, and if you get people in, within, I mean, they, whether I, I think a better idea in terms of free kicks to teams, I think a better idea is giving some um, salary room within the soft cap is, is a better thing rather than here's pick 
two or whatever because yeah. you, you finished seven, eight. Yeah. I think a better thing is whether you can free that up, get somebody in there that understands the corporate world really well and can reel in some of these quality Absolutely. sponsors. I think that's a better, a better thing for me ongoing. I agree. Building a club rather than just being like, here's another kid that could turn into a freak or who knows. Yeah. So, I mean, some of our listeners probably were too young to remember, but those who are old enough, I mean, 20 odd years ago, Hawthorne almost didn't exist. Yeah. So don't tell me now that the club like Carlton, which are never going to be in merger talks no. or, or buy out. Not to, now. No, they've been around for such a long time. They can rebuild from where they are. Yeah. The Suns are still infant and we're obviously going to always compare them to the Giants. The Giants had the ability to watch what the Suns did and did wrong yeah. and do the opposite. So yeah, a, a different, little bit different. I'm, I'm not a fan of priority picks, never have been. I think that any teams that over the past 20, 30 years have, that have been able to come from very desperate times and survive. I think that's where these clubs need to look. They're in better yeah. positions to do it because they're a little bit stronger. And then from there, as you said, get a strong business person in there. And I think that's part of the problem with some of these older clubs is that they've got all these football people in there that don't have a business brain. Yeah. And that's fine, but you've got to have the business people in there now that AFL is a business. Apparently, well, the other thing too is in terms of what some of these corporate guys can earn in, in other areas versus what they can earn in some positions at some clubs, apparently is that there's quite a amount of gap there. So whether we the AFL works on thinning that to try to get in really top-end people. Because yeah. you can get a lot of these top-end guys on the board and, and women on the board, obviously, but getting some of these you know, more direct in the club lands a bit harder. So you can't always grow them from within like a, you know, a Hocking or... You know, no. some of these people from within the, you know, Fagan or something like that, that's come from totally from, you know, within the AFL world. So I think bringing some from without, you know, can make sense. So, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, then, they, they, then they've got ties into yeah. other areas out there that help with your, your sponsors and, mm-hmm. and just growing the, the, the club and, it, yeah. and the brand name that is whatever the club may be. That's it. So thanks um, for that. So yeah. let's, let's bang into questions now. So if you've got any questions, please send them through. We've got a bunch here, but we're more than happy to go through a few. So we've had one just come through earlier to our social uh, on Twitter. So what do you guys think of Pollock to North? It looks like the deal is done. So just before we start a recording, if you haven't seen this as yet, Channel 9 SA are reporting that Pollock has signed with North Melbourne. Now, I mean, he can't, if he's signed, he's actually breaching the AFL rules. rules. So I don't know whether that's true, but if he's you know, verbally said that he's going to go to North, the gap sounds like it's about a million and a half plus between what the, the port deal is, that which sounds like around a 600 for three versus a 700 over five type of gap. What, what do we think about this? Uh, look, I don't like that type of news coming out on the eve of the last round. Yeah. I think just wait till it's actually official, official and stuff like that. But that's news and we can't get away from it. That's They're going to break that type of stuff. And obviously with no SA team playing finals this year, they had to sort of come up with something. That's my understanding. <laughs> uh, look, we knew that North Melbourne were chasing uh, a gun outside. Um, yeah, well, this mid, has been heavily reported. And heavily yeah. reported, so I'm not surprised. And his fiance's family are Melbourne-based as well. It's, it's a bit interesting that he left Brisbane to go home to SA, but obviously... He, was, he may have been single and not in this relationship. Or, but if someone's going to give you an extra two years and more money, 
even if it's on the same money, but the contract's for an extra five years, that's faith. And you're silly if you're not going to do that in this type of era that football is. But cash warms the homesick heart. I mean, if you've got a breast pocket, you can sort of stuff it with cash and it, it just warms and if you can, your, your body. Yeah, think, and if you've got that so. extra bedroom or two, you can always bring your family over, over to, to stay and annoy the crap out of you. Flights, all good. Yeah, so. absolutely. So no, I, look, I like it. I think they need to do it. North yeah. have to attract players in there. If they're going to go anywhere, they have to start bringing in at least a couple of players. They look like they're pretty deep into gaff, So Yeah, I mean, if, they, if, this, if this is true, and I've got no doubt that it is true and he'll move to north it and looks we'll know, pretty true and we'll know in the next 24 to 48 hours anyway now that the the cat's out of the bag so to speak and then if they get him and we all know that they've got plenty of space in their cat they've got all they could land a gaff or another key um mid and that will just make this team pretty exciting to watch well, they're saving on weight dollars now as well well that's it yeah he's uh, he's off uh, retired seems to wait old mate wait so we're still waiting but he's, he's he was a good player Old mate, wait. I mean, he, you know, nearly murdered a few people. He, that was the thing. One week, you never knew whether he was going to take mark of the year, whether he would get suspended, we'll kick or kick hundred goals, kick a million goals, or whether he would get injured. Like yeah. it was always, it was. All, every, you got everything with him. Everything you saw it all. Yeah. They're, all the extremes were, were on with that guy, but good on him. You know, you know, he got pretty close to two hundred and fifty games. You know, obviously played at a pretty low club for a lot of years. They, you know, barely saw much success. And yep. so, you know, good on him to, you know, to, to do that. And about his own terms quality. as well. So, yeah. So also another question that's come through earlier today as well with the other big news of the day. So Goddard, no new contract. What do you guys think? So a bit of a recap. We went through this a little bit on the review, but this was last night. So we didn't know this had happened. I asked you, if you're Essendon, what do you do? You and I, in the end, I think... We were both sort of like maybe one more year, but I mean, so much of it depends on his body. We'd have to see, you know, where he's at. He's obviously, you know, not been in amazing form. He hasn't been in terrible form, but at the same time, it's not like he's shooting the lights out. Essendon have decided that it's just not worth it, and they want to run other players through that line and through that role. What do we think now that now that he's probably going back to St Kilda? What do we think about that? <laughs> I'd be very surprised if he goes back to St Kilda. I'm see, joking. Yeah, but, uh, well, I, I, I would be and I wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows what goes on down there? Look, disappointing in one probably aspect. We're going to coach Carlton next year. Yeah, look, hey, that'd be a good idea. Actually, he'd rev him up. We've seen what he can spray out on the field, so that'd be interesting to interesting, see. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I'm a bit like the the man himself. I. Shot, shock, yeah, angry. Pretzels, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, shocked. Shock, yeah. A little bit shocked that it uh, had happened, but at the same time, fully understand where Essen are going with this. They've obviously got a, f- a fair bit of depth in that role in the off the half-back and um, back pocket. So it does free up that ability to push some more young younger players through. Yeah. Obviously, having Aaron Francis... Um, back and, and getting nominated with the Rising Star on the star. weekend. He is probably the most likely to come in and take over that role uh, immediately or at least be in that sort of talk um, from there. But from here, it's tough because so many clubs are, are very wary of taking on a 33-year-old regardless of how good they are. And, and two clubs have already basically said, no, nah, we're not interested. 
Yeah, well, so Fremantle came out and the Gold Coast came out, so they weren't interested, so... Yeah. Well, Fremantle, yeah, who knows? I mean, they keep signing all the, anyone who's over 35, so maybe they're just waiting for, for him to turn 35. Maybe he needs sign. to do his calf and then they'll sign you because Benoit yeah. got signed, so... Yeah, or... But, yeah. Or be Valentine. Valentine, yeah, do yeah. something, who knows? Be Sandlands and be 50 years old, so... Yeah, so very interesting. I, yeah. I hope some team pick him up. I'd love to so see him too, run yeah. around again. I thought uh, just purely on stats this year, he was more than serviceable, yeah. averaging over 22 touches... Uh, I think he was averaging like three or four tackles yeah. and um, six marks. So that's not bad for a 33-year-old. That's the thing. People, I think he's one of those players that's a victim of, of his own success. You know, that 2010 mark was, I still think, one of the best, if not the best mark I've ever seen, factoring yeah. context in. He was an unbelievable player. But um, yeah, good luck to him coaching Carlton next year. Hopefully, um, hopefully he does well. But no, he won't coach Carlton. If he goes to Carlton, hilarious if he goes. If he to goes Carlton. to Carlton, and some people have played it down, him going to Carlton because they've already got Cade Simpson. It's like, yeah, he needs some support. He needs some support, exactly. He's done. He, and Cade Simpson he's only got two hands trying to do everything. And Cade Simpson doesn't do this to his teammates. True. So he might need a. He did get a new contract. Yeah. So, so Simpson is playing next year. Next year, and they need him. They need to sign yeah. everyone in that club. So. Look, it wouldn't be the silliest thing for Brendan Bolton to um, give a ask the question, ask the question, yeah. and see if it's a fit and and, t- and take it from there. Uh, I mean, is is there an age limit to rookie no. lists? So no. he could go on a rookie list. Yeah, he could. And just as a backup, just possibly. There. I think but he wants this, to play games, though. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And this this for me ties back into mid season um, draw or mid season trades mm. because. Uh, Essen would probably had in the back of the mind that this was his final year. Mm. Melbourne lose Lever. All right, we'll just get BJ in for the second half, and there's Mister Fixit for yeah. Lever and those types of scenarios. We floated so, that the other week. It's that's not the weirdest idea. Hey? Yeah. So anyway. interesting. Um, but uh, if he's listening or watching this, uh, good on you, BJ. You ran a star. Hopefully you get he's no. He's probably not. He's probably at the pub having a beer yeah, or, <laughs> or doing anything else. Or anything else. I don't so, want to talk about football. Two more questions, and then we better keep going. Uh, another one. So is Walid Ali an AFL genius? Question mark. So a bit of a rundown on this uh, fake news story. So Jay-Z, Jay Clark from the Herald Sun uh, put up a story that Waleed Ali was being consulted to uh, uh, by the, you know, Steve Hocking and the AFL to be involved in the new rules. And um, then a lot of racist people came out and basically used the opportunity to be racist. Um, which is not a surprise, but it ended up, so he, he went on SEN in the morning, Ali, and said, no, that's not, not true at all. I used to do the project with Nicole Livingston, who's the AFLW CEO, and I asked her a couple of questions about AFLW, and she asked if I would like to be part of like a presentation at AFL House. I said, sure. He came down, he sat there and listened to some talk and asked a couple of questions and left. So the new AFL rules are not going to be written by Waleed Ali. So I think everyone just needs to calm down just just a little bit. That story had some significant legs to it. I'm not sure whether you followed. This is not your sort of story. This was pretty... This is the reason why I didn't follow on with my journalism degree because that is horrible. A guy should be sacked. It's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? It's uh, strange stuff. Yeah, I don't know where he got that sort of news from, but yeah, I mean, it was a very clickbait type of story. But did and, uh, did 
did bring out some dirty and airing of washing and laundry and all that type of stuff. Mm. Um, some really horrible units that live in this country. So just shows how Dutton was able to get at least some numbers. Really, there are yeah. some pretty racist trash people out there. So. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, no, dis- disappointing, <laughs> and I would just wish like no. that we could just. Like get rid I think of it's gone. Crap. I think it's gone through the new cycle now. But it, it was a, a what, what if you want to know what we thought of it? It was a laughable scenario. Yeah, non-news, news, non-news. Yeah. It was story. about as non-news as it gets. Yeah. So another question is Fremantle's rebuild made from styrofoam? Which uh, is a good question. Uh, look, I I put more weight behind styrofoam, um, <laughs> and it's got more uses than Fremantle's rebuild because a rebuild actually. If you're building something, it's being rebuilt. It's, go, it, it's actually creating something, mm. and I would something say fresh, fresh and new. New, but that's not happening at Fremantle from where I'm sitting. It's old. It's very old. And more old coming back into it, and mm. and uh, it's concerning. Yeah. yeah, to see them get. I mean, this would be normally with a lot of things we had to cover this week. This would would have been almost off the top, but it's hard. There was so much other stuff, and we'd rather talk about finals. But it, it is. It, they got, I mean, 23 unanswered goals. We went really heavily into it on the review episode. That was unbelievable. Like, that was shocking. Yeah. And uh, for Ross Lyon, if you want to know a team that's rebuilt in under two years, have a look at Hawthorne, because they have. Yeah, and Dogs as well. In well, a pretty yeah. short amount of time. They lost their, their captain. They lost their coach. So. Essendon. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's pretty ridiculous. One other very quick one before we go. People uh, I saw over the weekend blaming Franklin, um, saying, oh, he's not, not that good over the last few weeks. People need to calm down because he, he hasn't really played on anyone. So he played on Madgen, the Collingwood basketballer. He's, you know, Phil Davis obviously went off and so on and so forth. Uh, I think I know where you're going to lean with this, but what do you think about people that think that Lance Franklin hasn't actually been that good over the last month? You're not watching football, that is for sure. He's had almost 30 shots in those games. Yeah. 30. Yeah, that's so, the thing. So that if you're, and if that's your argument, and I do get worked up when people bag him, he's uh, arguably the greatest player that the game's ever seen. Well, certainly in the modern, modern, era, yeah. modern era. So that's like saying, oh, okay, so Tom Hawkins, don't count his goals because he came up against a, a Fremantle. They kicked 23 points, yeah. 25 points, whatever it was, and... Uh, another listless side, and now he's going to have the Suns Goal coming cuts, up. So, yeah, yeah I, and I, their best defender at the moment is Turk Miller, and he's too small. Yeah, they and, won't put him on. Hawkins. And if you have a look at the rest of the forward line at Sydney, please tell me where the goals are coming from. He's literally having he's to, holding it up, holding up completely. Yeah. So, if he yeah. had capitulated, I mean, they, that's yeah, we're, we're talking, we're having a different discussion. So he's got Porter in the finals. Yeah, four. Uh, foot, ankle, and now a groin injury, and he kicks five goals, four. <laughs> Again, it's GWS, so yeah, um, pull your head out. If you're not a Buddy fan, just let him be, no need to talk. It's like all the Gary Ablett haters. Yeah, I'm sure if he played for your team, you wouldn't hate him. That's the thing. I think if he walked into any of your teams, I don't think you would hate him. Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. Definitely check out Beyond the Games videos. There's some fantastic content there, whether it's AFL and a whole range of different sports. It does a really good job. Thanks very much to Ed, old mate in the corner, doing a very good job producing us and putting us together and making us look a lot better than we are. Check out the episode. We'll do the preview tonight. That'll be out tomorrow. The review's up now. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, just one little comment there around the Coleman. You're absolutely right. Uh, Ben Brown would need to (laughs) kick six goals. That's true, yeah. So, Which is possible, but... Yeah, we'll wait and see. I I think it's... 
interesting race, but yeah, thanks for that. But I think, yeah, bare minimum, I think there's going to be an interesting race with Rewild and Hawkins. Yeah, absolutely. So enjoy the footy. Enjoy the footy. Thanks, See guys. You guys. See you next week, 7.30. Ciao. Cheers.